Welcome to Be The King Podcast, the place for men who desire to create an impact in this world. Join host Tim Holloway as he leads the call to action in a time where our families and communities are suffering due to men failing to be the man. This podcast explores what it really means to be the king. What's up? Welcome to Be The King Podcast. Glad to be back at you. So I'm super excited for this week. All this week, we are going to have Hakeem Valles. He is a former NFL player, tight end. He played for Arizona, Detroit, and New York. It's going to be awesome. He has turned entrepreneur and uh, just has a business mindset and a great and beautiful mind. So you're going to want to listen to this week's. We're going to jump right into it right now. You know, I know, um, you know, because I'm very, um, you know, I look at myself a lot and then, you know, I communicate with other men. Um, And sometimes the bottom line is, is we're just not willing to do what is required. We're not willing to do what it takes to uh, achieve the success that we want. So, you know, where, where did you find the discipline and the motivation? Because that's where men say, ah, I'm just not motivated. Oh, I'm just not disciplined. Like it's like some magic thing that they need to find somewhere or something. Like wh- where did the, the discipline motivation come from? Um, I think it, it really came from a couple of things. Mostly it came out of gratitude um, mm, in good. the, in the sense that the fact that just, just being grateful for the fact that I have the opportunity to be in this position. Um, and then, you know, it really came from, and I know you want to talk about it later, but the, the, the Haiti story, the Haiti incident. Yeah. Yeah. We can go um, into that brother. Yeah. So it was, you know, after my, like I said, I was a bench player in college, so I, I didn't see the field until my senior year and senior year, first game, I had my first catch second game. I started every game after that. And then I got awarded, afforded my a fifth year because I registered my freshman year. And it was that summer <clears throat> um, going into my grad school fifth year, right before summer school started, me, my mom, my dad, and my grandma, we went on a missionary trip to Haiti. Um, our mission was we brought medicine to different um, churches and orphanages across the country. Um, and I'm Haitian, so it was it was hands down the most beautiful week of my entire life, just being able to ingrain myself with the Haitian yeah. culture, eat the food, talk the language, not really talk it because I don't understand it yet. <laughs> Try to talk the language, um, you know, understand what a tree ripened mango tastes like versus uh-huh. a store-bought mango. It's completely different. It's like, it tastes like a different fruit. Um, and it was, it was amazing. And then it was, it was May 29th, 2015. It was 2.30 in the morning. Me and uh, three other missionaries, we were playing the card game called Spades. Um, and there was a storm that night. So we had, um, a, uh, steel door that we, that had like a deadbolt in it, but we opened it up so the breeze could come through the screen door because it was very hot. And we obviously did not have air conditioning. <clears throat> and while we're playing spades, all of a sudden you just hear this loud pow. And like my initial reaction was, you know, who's hitting an electric fly swatter? at 2.30 in the morning because we, were, we used to play games and just knock down all the flies with the fly swatter. Kind of <laughs> but in reality, that sound was a gunshot. And all of a sudden, you see a foot kick through the front door and eight bandits storm into our compound, you know, behind that guy. And there was a guy sitting across the table from me named T. 
he jumps across the table and tackles me out of my chair and I mean, essentially saves my life because that guy who shot through the front door then turns at us and shoots at us point blank and misses. Wow. And there's a girl next to us. She had a shawl on. They take the shawl, rip it into pieces, and they hog tied us. So hands tied at our wrists behind our backs, feet tied at our ankles, and then hands tied to our feet and then blindfolded. And then the bandits, they went room to room and they stole everything. And in that process, they punched one lady in the face. They attempted to rape another lady. There was a pastor who was staying with us. And like, mm-hmm. if you didn't know where his bedroom was, you would have like, there's no shot. You would have looked there. So he was hiding under his bed and he calls the police saying, you know, send help. We're under attack. And the cops say, you know, where are you guys located at? Nope. We don't come to that area. Good luck. Click. Wow. And hang up on him. Um, and then he calls the next door neighbor um, and tells him to go outside with your pistol and just empty the clip out in the air. So now you hear, you know, I don't speak the language, but out in my vantage point outside now I hear like all these gunshots going off. Um, and I think the country's under attack. I have no idea what's happening. Uh-huh. And um, once you heard those gunshots, we had thought the bandits had left. But on our compound, we also had the house we were staying in. And then we had like a medical clinic because we also had patients come right to our directly to our compound to uh, get um, treated. And they were in the medical part of the compound, stealing our medical supplies and things like that. <clears throat> and at that moment, my dad, who, I mean, he's 21 years, New Jersey State Police. He had, you know, from his vantage point, wakes up hearing his son screaming and not in, the, I was sleeping in his bedroom, but I was out playing cards. So it doesn't see me in there. Um, but he untied himself, crawls out to see if anybody got hit by the bullets uh-huh. and, um, you know, closes the steel door, puts the deadbolt in and starts to untie me. And about 45 seconds later, you just hear a loud, doom, 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 doom. The bandits are back. They're banging on the front door, banging, banging, banging. And we're all trying to be quiet and like thinking we're safe because we have the deadbolt in now. Um, and then all of a sudden, pss, 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 they start shooting out the windows. And my dad was like, okay, 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 okay. And like opens up the door. I thought they were going to kill him, but they roughed him up, tied him back up, threw him on top of me and went through the house again. And I mean, you know, from you know, my perspective, I mean, I saw my life flash in front of my eyes. I mm-hmm. urinated myself and didn't even realize I did. And I just remember in that moment being grateful. Cause my, my little brother is also a professional football player. Uh-huh. And he had just gotten drafted to the Oakland Raiders about a month prior. But he was already out in Oakland doing his rookie mini camp, doing his OTAs and stuff like that. I just remember being grateful that he wasn't there and that he was going to be able to live out his dreams because – I knew that we were, I essentially came to peace with the fact that we we're all going to die. Wow. And so the bandits, they came back in, um, went through the house again, stole more and more and more and more stuff. And that pastor who was hiding, he had actually done the prayer that morning at the prime minister's office. So he then called the prime minister himself saying, send the police, we're under attack. Uh-huh. And, you know, finally, about 45 minutes later, you hear sirens in the distance and the bandits, they scurry off. Um, the cops come, they were there for five to maybe 10 minutes, told us to take pictures on our phones or cameras if we have them and bring them by the station if you want and good luck and left. Yeah. And like, that was it. And like three days later I started summer workouts and like, I was, I mean, I was messed up mentally, had some awful PTSD and, you know, I saw someone, I saw a shrink on our campus, which really, really helped. And I believe, you know, overcoming that traumatic experience is what gave me the motivation and ability to make it to the NFL. Because after that happened, it really just kind of came down to like, one, 
if I can go through a situation like that, one, what can, mm. what can I go through? Right. Two, I can frame that scenario against anything that I'm doing. Meaning if I have to run conditioning for hours and hours and hours, all have to, it's nowhere near as bad as being tied up, knowing you're about to die. Mm-hmm. If I have to, if I had to run a 5k or a marathon, I've never done that before, but it would be easy because it's not as bad as about to be. It's, it's fun in that sense. And that's kind of where the gratitude comes from. I'm just grateful to be afforded just different opportunities and just live life. Cause I mean, life is just a beautiful thing in its own. You know, the, the odds of being a human being is 400 trillion to one. All right. <laughs> so be grateful for that. Just like, you know, if you haven't had an experience like that happen to you, just right. let, let that be your, uh, your frame of gratitude. So, you know, after that experience, it was kind of just like, I really just let that build. And like, I never actually told anyone the story while I was playing until it was towards the end of my last year. Um, uh, I got really close to one of the reporters and he did a really nice story on it. Um, but while I was playing, I didn't tell anyone because I really used that as almost my chip in my back pocket. Cause in a sense that you don't know who I am and you really don't know what's what I've been through. Mm-hmm. in the sense of I didn't I didn't I don't watch football on TV I don't watch sports center and things like that so I didn't necessarily know all of the guys that I was going against so you know I you know finish a game and guys you know I, my buddies would text me oh Yo, you were going against this guy in this game I'm like cool <laughs> like, you know, know I know him. his scouting report but I don't know <laughs> his, you know his real you know his his what the media gasses him up to be or whatever like that so it was uh-huh. more of I don't know you and you really don't know me so I'm gonna tear you up now and like that was kind of my mindset while I was playing and then I realized that after that article came out that that story is actually quite motivating and I can get a lot of people's attention um, after telling it so once I started speaking it's kind of what I, I base my speech around depending on what topics I'm going into whether it's entrepreneurship whether it's social media yeah. whether it's um, real estate I usually will bridge that story in there somehow because once I bridge it in there, I, I mean, you, you can hear a pin drop in the room and you have everyone's attention and now right. you're in a position to teach them whatever you'd like to. And I think that's where some people can get evil with things. If they had something happen to them, now they have someone's attention and now they try and, I don't know, get them involved in a pyramid scheme or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, that's not me. So that, that, the fact that my message is pure um, it really helps. And it's kind of just been growing organic since. Yeah, man, that's powerful. You know, I, uh, it's kind of depends on your mindset and, and, you know, who you are as a person. Um, cause some people that experience would destroy them. Um, they would come back and, um, like you said, uh, the stress, the, the post-traumatic stress, the anxiety, um, they can go into a, a downward spiral and it can ruin their life. Um, what is a couple of things that like tricks and tips that you learned to manage that, that stress and kind of come through it? Um, there's a couple of things. One was actually a lot of empathy. empathy. Um, and that's probably when I really overcame the experience was when I started to understand a little bit more from the bandits perspective. And like, it's really hard to get to that place. Oh, just in the wow. sense of, yeah. Okay. What are these guys? what were these eight guys going through in their lives in this country mm-hmm. to be in a position to do something like to mm-hmm. something like that to us? And then you actually look at the facts of just like what Haiti's like as a country, how corrupt it is. Honestly, some of the things that the United States have done has done to Haiti and how impoverished it is, how awful the police force is. And it's really a, you know, a do or die type of, of state. And it's like, 
you know, okay, what if, what if those eight guys, they all have kids and those kids haven't eaten in two weeks or three mm-hmm. weeks mm-hmm. or four weeks. And like their intention was never to kill us or anything like that. It was just, we need to eat. And that's kind of what, and it's kind of like, once I kind of got to that level of, okay, it's, it's almost empathy. Like, obviously there's a, there was a lot of rage, a lot of rage in me. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, was, it was challenging, you know, as a man and as a, a prof- like not a professional at that point, I'm just a D one football player, but I'm six, five, 250 pounds, but now I'm hogtied and covered in my own urine and crying my face off. Mm-hmm. And like, that can put you, I can do something to you, but it really, it came down, you know, to that empathy mm-hmm. and like almost like the universe and God, it'll all play out in itself. And it was kind of wild. It's, I've never really told this. Um, I, when I got back, I was still kind of filled with a lot of rage mm-hmm. and because all of our cell phones got taken and I, I, I was, I had some awful, like I was, I, mean, I had panic attacks like instantly on the plane going back and I was cutting off all of our cell phones and kind of, I don't know if you, when you do find my iPhone, you can also leave a message if someone turns on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wrote messages to all the people and like translated them in the Creole. And it was literally like, I hope you burn, blah, 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 blah. Like, may God have mercy on your soul. Like everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And the wild part about it is two weeks later, two of the eight guys actually tried to, not two of the eight, the, the guys tried to rob another missionary group about two weeks later and two of the eight, two out of eight of them actually got caught by the police in the town. And I mean, this is the world we live in and, you know, instead of arresting them or whatever, they literally burned them alive in front wow. of everyone and then shot them dead. Mm-hmm. Like that's the world we live in. And like, I'm not saying that that's like, that was necessary or yeah. that was what, what they deserved it in that sense. But in the sense, like, to keep me peace in it all, it was, it really came down to empathy and just understanding like, you know, now I have a kid and like, what would I do if my, my child was, you know, starving? And I'm not saying I would do something like that. Um, but desperate times calls for desperate measures. And that's yeah. probably what helped me really overcome it. Yeah, man, that's powerful. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just remember um, going through a very traumatic childhood and, um, that's what helped me also because, you know, I was taken away when I was 10 and then, you know, dealing with that as a teenager and as an adult. And then I had to look back and do that empathy. Like, mm. you know, my mother's problem, my dad's problem, you know, had nothing to do with me and put myself in their shoes and they had trauma that they didn't know how to deal with and, and just take yourself out of the equation. So that's just, it's just powerful, powerful way to deal with stuff. So that's wild. It's, it's, it's a hard empathy is hard to it's hard you have to really almost check yourself and drop your ego and just really try and feel for someone yeah mm. all right so we are at the man challenge of the day and the challenge is this oftentimes we use our trouble our pain or trauma as an excuse that is an excuse to remain inactive and not participate in life so Hakeem went through this crazy experience traumatic experience that left uh, uh, effects on his life and he had two choices right he can be defined by that and and thereby use it as an excuse and a crutch to kind of opt out or you can use it as the power to really empower your life and accomplish great things 
And so the challenge today is this. Look at your life and where are you using trauma as an excuse? It could be abuse. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be a cheating spouse. It doesn't matter what it is, but you're using that as an excuse to kind of remain inactive in life. Identify what that is and what you're going to do to change that.